Block Here we go. Let's do it. Welcome to the Koi Pond and Water Garden Podcast. Yeah. A podcast for the aquatically obsessed. With your host, yep. Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. In pursuit of all things aquatic, bringing you koi pond and water garden advice straight from the field. The show starts now. That's right, straight from the field. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Koi Pond Water Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gannon. This is episode 66. Double sixes here for the Koi Pond Water Garden podcast. I've been looking forward to this episode. We have a very cool topic to discuss. We have a cool guest to join the show and bring us some of his expertise on this topic. And the topic is a pond design topic. As a designer myself, it's a topic I love kicking around. There's always so much to learn about design, especially when talking to other designers, especially new tricks new techniques, those kind of things that I can incorporate into my designs. There's so many perspectives that can be applied to koi pond, water garden, and water feature design. In this episode, we're going to be focusing our design topic on a really important aspect of pond design, and that's how to use stone around the edges of the pond. You know, to me, there's three general areas of stone use in pond design the interior of the pond, the edging of the pond, and the waterfall area of the pond. All of them are important since they all come together to create the design, but how we use rock in each of these design aspects will be different. Some rocks, same rocks, same rocks, different ways to display them and build with them, right? So how you build with and display rocks, for example, below water is different from the edging as the edging is different from the waterfall area. The edging of the pond is where all the magic happens, where the pond owners will spend most of their time. It's that area where the relationship to the pond happens. How the edge of the pond is designed has a lot to be considered. It's a really important area of design. My edge designs are always evolving because of exposure to other designers. And speaking of other designers, my guest is a fellow designer and pond professional who will be sharing some of his particular expertise in how to use rock work around the edges of a pond. Jamal Hall is with me from NDH Aquatics and Landscapes. He's going to be joining us for this episode. And Jamal is a respected professional in the koi pond water garden industry. His company is based out of beautiful North Carolina. Uh, he's also a recognized certified aquascape contractor, and I'm really happy to have my friend Jamal to the show. Hey, Jamal, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing just great, thanks. I'm very happy to have you here with me. Uh, you know, the first time we met was at the Pondemonium event, which is the, the big main event for pond professionals. Uh, for those that oh, yeah. don't know what it is, it's a it's the biggest in the world organized by Aquascape out in Illinois. And I met you at Pheasant Run, actually. So this was a few years ago. And uh, <laughs> oh, I yeah, just saw that. It's been I'm a sorry. while. And, and now oh. I just saw that the resort is closing down. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I've seen that as well, and I'm like, oh, man, there was some good memories there. We had some fun there, for sure. <laughs> Con people know how to have fun. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit about your company, NDH Aquatics. What uh, What's your uh, specialty? Uh, well, we specialize in koi ponds, water features, custom-designed water features. Uh, we do all types of landscaping, but our primary focus is water. Uh, you know, the old additives, you know, you could, you know, bring people outside using water and landscape, and that's what, that's what we do. Uh, 90, 95% of our business is nothing but pure water features. Um, we've been wow. building ponds. I built, I built my first pond in 1994. Uh, you know, what I, made you I, do I, that? How, how, how did you end up building a pond? What, what got you into that? Uh, well, my first job was at a nursery and my mom wanted the pond. They had a pond at the nursery. My mom wanted the pond, but at the time she was like, you know, her and my dad was like, we're not going to pay somebody else to do it. So I went and got books, which back then there was not a lot of books. So I went and got different right. books and just tried to figure figure out, you know, how to build a pond. So it had old roofing liner in it. It had, you know, different – it had every other type of stone from brick to concrete to <laughs> natural rip rat stone in that pond. But I right. had some huge koi fish. I had my own makeshift filtration. I had some of everything. It was my, my pond. And then, you know, different people in the neighborhood started asking for ponds, and I was like, you know, I could turn this into a little hobby – slash business and that's what I did and what twenty two years later, you know, I've been like I say been building ponds and I love it. So yeah. it's, it's fun, it's it's enjoyable and I think uh finally I'm gonna build my dream pond in my backyard. Uh, I finally got my wife's approval. You know, even though I do this <laughs> for a living, uh I finally got the you approval need, of you the need ball. the stamp of <laughs> approval. <laughs> So I'm gonna uh I'm gonna hopefully be building my dream pond in my yard and a lot of the edge treatments and techniques that I'm gonna be talking about tonight, I'm gonna incorporate into my pond, you know. Yeah. That's awesome. So it started as a hobby and turned into a profession. It's a very similar story yes, to sir. myself. Um so yep. tell me about uh what's the state of NDH aquatics today? Do you have employees? How 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 are you set yeah. up? Yeah, we're, we're we're a small company. It's me, and I have another full time guy, and then we have an, uh, another guy that's part time who helps out when we need it on jobs. We're we're always pretty much going to be a smaller company, but we take pride in what we do. Um, you know, we have come next week. We're going to be starting our. Finally, we're getting some warm weather here in uh, right outside of Fayetteville, North Carolina. That's where we're at. Uh, right outside of here today, it was like seventy degrees, so I can't complain. And so yeah. we're going to really start ramping up our pond cleanouts hopefully sometime next week and start getting those scheduled out and getting those on the books. Uh, and then just we're going to be moving forward. But we do have some projects in the works, uh, a couple of pond renovations, uh, got a couple of new constructions that will be going in hopefully before the summertime hits. And then we've got a couple yep. of recreational ponds that we're, that we're hopefully be building here later on in this summer, probably towards the fall once we get permits approved and different things of that nature. Cool, cool. It's good to see, good to hear that you're starting off 2020 busy. I like to hear that. Um, I hope all oh, of yeah. us pond professionals out there are cranking this year. Um, oh, let's yeah. talk about some design. You got a lot of projects coming okay. up. I'm sure you got designs running all through your head. Um, I was very excited <laughs> to have you come that. on. Yeah, I, w I was excited to have you here for this topic because 
design is really important. Um, you know, if if design wasn't important, then people should just go out and buy a prefab pond from Home Depot or something like that. But design is definitely important. Would you agree that the edging is especially important as part of the overall design? Oh, definitely. I definitely agree that the edging is uh, probably right up there with the waterfalls. The edging pretty much gives – it basically brings the – the softscape of the landscape or the patio into connecting with the pond. It's that seamless integration that you're trying to, that you're trying to mingle the two together. So it's right up there with the, the full aesthetics of the pond. It, to me, that can either make or break that, that, the, the look that you're going for in the pond. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. Be, before we actually get to some of your design tips, I want for people who are, um, you know, considering doing a, a project to be properly equipped and because that definitely helps the design process, having the right tools. Um, what type of tools do you use a lot when installing? Uh, the main one that I use is, is, is my go-to is my laser transit level uh, or zip level. Uh, that helps me set the water levels in the pond. <clears throat> Excuse me. That helps me set the water levels in the pond. So I know if I'm, you know, too much above grade or too much below grade, so that when you're looking out of the patio or out of your window, you're not having to look – Four, four and a half, five inches down into the pond, you're looking at the water level right there, an inch or two below the pond level if the grade allows for it. So that's one of the main tools that, you know, that I keep in the back of my truck. The next thing is that is, something uh, that is that something that people can get like at a Home Depot or something like that, the laser level, uh, or is that specialized? Yeah, the, the, no, the laser level, uh, my first one I picked up at uh, Home Depot. Uh, Home Depot okay. or Lowe's, one of the two. I picked I picked those up. The zip level, uh, I had to go through the through the zip level manufacturer for that. But you know, it's just as time goes on, the more I start building, I found different pieces of equipment that was a lot easier. So okay. you know, that's one thing that. And my other go-to tool, with the, uh, my guys that help me, they can't stand it. It's a three-foot <laughs> spade shovel. <laughs> okay. It's a it's a short shovel. It's a short shovel. And the reason I use that short shovel is it helps me to pry. Say, for instance, if I need to move a boulder over, you know, a nice, you know, two-man boulder over an inch or so, I could take that shovel and just pry it a little bit. And a lot of people look at me when I bring it out. They're like, man, you're going to use that short shovel? I'm like, yeah, it, you know, it gives me a little bit more leverage to move stuff right where I need it to or, or carve out a shelf real quick. Yeah. It's so funny you use the example of moving it over like an inch or two because most people would be like, well, what's the difference? And it's like, it makes all the oh. difference. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely a big difference moving it. You know, especially when you step back and look at the design, you just like, oh, that boulder needs to shift just an inch this way and a little bit that way, and it just, and from a pond designer's perspective, that little bit goes a long way. Yeah, it really does. It, it's very important how things are spaced and how things are placed. So okay, so that's a great little tool to use. Um, you know, probably people may want to have like a wheelbarrow, uh, you know, something oh, yeah, to move yeah. things around. And the tape measure, of course, always, a, that's really oh, yeah. important too. Um, <laughs> you, you... Yeah, in, in design, there's, you know, there's definitely some principles that are, are kind of followed that I try to, try to follow um, when designing the edging of a pond. Um, let's talk about some of those. Do you, do you actually sketch things out or, or do you, just see it and you have it in your head a lot it just depends on the size of the project 
Um, you know, sometimes if it's a smaller project and a lot of the, you know, the, the stones or the, or the boulders are going to be pretty much uniformed or a few different, you know, characteristics on this one or that one, I'm pretty much do those by eye. But when it comes to the bigger, you know, some of the bigger projects, some of the larger ponds, anything bigger than roughly uh, – 11 by 16 foot pond give or take I will normally sketch that out just so I can me or my guys can have you know a frame of reference just what we're looking for how we're going to do this and sometimes that puts the homeowner at ease a little bit they're able to see you know okay this is the, the conceptual of what it's going to be but I always tell you know talk to homeowners I'm like you know once we get rock out on site this could change just a little bit as basically determined by the rock right so that's funny. So you you see the design in your head, of course. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh definitely. And they get it on get it on paper um, to kind of translate that design from your head, so your guys can see it, or and for the homeowners, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll, yes, I'll like that. Oh yeah. Um, what are what are some you know you I know you've been around ponds a long time. You've you've seen excellent stuff. I'm sure you've seen some um, mistakes too. What are are there any edge design mistakes that people should try to avoid? Uh, and I know you've heard this term probably a million times like I have. Uh, the pretty much the, fam- the infamous ring of pearls. Uh, using all stone the exact same size around the edge. Uh, that's yes. one thing that the know, necklace effect. That, <laughs> the, the, necklace, the necklace effect. And, you know, it's one thing, when, especially I remember when I was new building ponds, it's like, okay, that's, that's the go-to because you get all the same size stone, and, hey, it just, make, it just holds everything in place. But as you start growing and evolving as a homeowner, pond builder, what have you, you start playing around with some of the bigger stones, and that gives you a little bit of characteristics, a little bit of depth, a little bit of, destination places to go when you're building or when you're yeah. out there viewing your pond. Right. Yeah. So, I, I, I'm not crazy about that necklace effect. And um, I would agree, you know, use, I, I started the same way, just using all small rocks. Cause in the beginning I would build ponds by myself. I didn't have anybody help. And um, oh, yeah, now these days I look at ponds that are built with just small rocks and I'm like, Nope. <laughs> Got to fix that. <laughs> oh, yeah, de- definitely that one. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, both of us as being professionals, you go out to a homeowner, you know, when they call you out to take a look at it, you go out there and look at it, and they say, well, how do you think it looks? And I'm like, you know, when I was starting out, it looks be- could be looked better than what I did, but it may still have that ring of pearls effect, but you're there as a professional to make it, you know, change it up, help them see- get their vision out of their head and put it actually in the ground. Right, yeah. So, you know, when we when we build, of course, when we excavate, we're kind of setting the shape of the pond generally, um, but we can use rocks to to shape a pond as well. Oh, Would yeah. you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I, de- I definitely agree with that. And, you know, a lot of times I will over-excavate a pond, especially when I get to that top shelf area. Um, the reason that I over-excavate when I'm, when I'm digging out a pond is I create behind – Say for instance, if I have a big character boulder, and right behind that, with the right there where the liner and the ground meets at, I create a little plant pocket on the back side of the on the back side of the rock in order to soften that edge up. Even though I may have this you know ton or half a ton boulder right here that the homeowner or the client can just sit right there and step on, I may soften it up right behind it with some moss or or 
some type of water-loving plant that will help it soften that edge up because you got this big, huge boulder, and then you have a nice, fragrant, beautiful flower right here that just lends a little bit of, you know, subtleness to the to the pond as well. Hmm. Okay. So you do kind of integrated planting areas within the pond, um, and yes, it sir. sounds like the way you do it, you know, fish would not have access to that either. So they can't like knock stuff Correct. over or, or muck around. Correct. Correct. And that's, you know, that's one thing that I found, especially when you get into, especially a lot of the larger koi, when they, you know, when they get a certain size, they love to, they love to muck around in the bottom of the pond or on the sides where they find the plants at. And this actually gives a, give the plants a little protection behind a big boulder that the fish aren't going to do anything about. But it helps the plant so it's able to flourish a lot more. And you may you may see the the beauty, the full beauty of that plant by just having it secluded just a little bit behind the behind the boulder. But it's still the roots are able to get to the water and just flourish as it needs to. Yeah, that's cool. So that's like a little area of design within your design. A little planting area yes, softens up, plays off the boulder. That's nice. I like that. Oh yeah. Um, yep. You know. I've used rocks over the years to kind of frame out certain areas. Um, how would you, uh, I usually refer to them as framing rocks. How would you um, suggest people could, could utilize stones to kind of frame out areas of a pond? Uh, well, a lot of times, uh, especially if you, if you don't have access to equipment and you're moving it all by hand, you know, what they can call one or two man boulders, you know, 150, 200 pound boulders, two, three man, give or take that size, and you or you can mm-hmm. just roll it into place. I use those to maybe frame out a little cove or something inside of the pond or maybe the foundation of the waterfall. Just use a nice-sized boulder. Then right beside that nice-sized boulder, you may add some gravel or a smaller one that's, you know, miniature in size compared to that big, huge one. But that'll, get, that'll lend some, some characteristic change instead of having a huge one, then another huge one right on top of it. And then, you know, then you try to put little plants or different things behind there, but you try to frame out with the stone in order to lend that character to the pond. Yeah. Um, sometimes rocks can be used, you know, as, as builders, we want people to engage with our ponds, you know, we, their ponds. We want people to actually enjoy them and kind of live that lifestyle and, and interact with them. How can around the edge of the pond, how can rocks be used to encourage um, people to interact with a pond? Well, I call them, and you probably call them this too, the destination stones. Uh, Say, for instance, you know, right down the edge of the pond, you have a stone that pretty much juts out maybe a foot or so into the pond if the space allows for it. And what what that lends to is it lends a place for the homeowner, the client, or the kids or grandkids to just go out there, dangle their feet in the water, feed the fish right there, and it's just that destination. It's putting you out further than the edge of the pond uh, to to allow them to interact a little bit more. Or sometimes I'll even put stepping stones on through a shallow part of the pond so that the kids can, you know, just step across. I know, like, my little girl, whenever we're at a park, she finds different rocks to try to step on and jump across. And, you know, I take those design elements I see maybe at a park or out in nature and I include it into the ponds because that just – brings that interaction out there enjoying the pond more you it becomes that lifestyle oh yeah no that's awesome so stepping stones so people can literally walk as instead of like a bridge or something they can actually walk across their pond and enjoy it 
Correct. Correct. That's awesome. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll even include like, I, I call them feeding rocks or, or sitting stones to encourage people to use a particular area for feeding and maybe another area for them to just, just sit you're you're saying and the different types of outcroppings that we can create it's it's interesting how rocks can be very inviting like you look at a design and it's like oh i, I want to go stand there <laughs> that that is true because i know a lot of times i'll uh put a lot of outcropping stones or something right there at the base of the waterfall right before it crashes into the pond because if you notice like a lot of people when they take pictures they want to be right there next to the waterfall, or if they want to get a good shot or just somewhere to sit, they want to get as close as they can to the waterfall. So a lot of times when I'm designing a pond or even while I'm building and I have I see a large stone that will fit perfectly right by the waterfall, I would just put it there, see how it looks. And just because I know it's going to be an interaction area or an interaction zone for the homeowner just to, for the homeowner or their grandkids or anybody that comes over, they're going to gravitate towards that sound of the water. So I would lo- I always love to put those right there near the waterfall and then one in another area for, like you say, for the feeding of the fish or those destination places. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It, it can invite people. They can also be used to kind of um, impede access. Maybe there's areas where you don't want people to go around the pond and rocks can act as one of those natural barriers as opposed to like a fence or something like that, you know? Um, That's definitely true too. Are there ways to use stone that would make the edge of the pond a safer place? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, A lot of times I will say, for instance, if right there, because I had this on a pond that we built sometime, I think it was last year, maybe the year before the, um, the homeowners had a, you know, they had a very small child. And, you know, even though they're going to be out there at the pond with the child, they wanted some way to have it where until the child got a little bit bigger and a little bit older to to keep them from getting really up there near the pond. So what we did around certain parts of the edge of the pond, we put some massive boulders. It may have raised the edge of the pond up another four to five inches. And the homeowners, you know, at first, you know, we was trying to see how we was going to make this seamless and make it still look good and everything. But we put those there, but it impeded the access into the pond for that little child, especially when they were crawling, you know, even though they're going to go everywhere, uh, it impeded that access into the pond and made it a little bit safer. But one thing I always try to do is uh, if I'm putting a big, huge stone on, on right on the edge of the pond, I dig out a nice flat shelf, compact it down very, very good because you don't want a thousand pound stone to give any way, shape, or form when somebody's standing on it. So yeah. that's one thing you do. You comp- you know, you excavate over. That's where the over excavation comes into play. Set too. You over excavate it, compact it down very, very good. Get you a good solid base that's you know pretty much not going to move unless you know uh, earthquake or something, a natural disaster or something like that happens. But yeah. you you know you make it as safe as possible for the for the homeowner once you leave. Awesome. That's great. Now, um, and I want to ask you because you got to get inspiration somewhere. How how can people who are getting into design or or designers how can they improve their designs? What would you recommend? Um, the best thing I can say is reach out to somebody who has more experience than you. Uh, somebody who you know who 
just has an eye for maybe you know they have that eye for design or go find nature, find your waterfall in nature. That's what I did when I was learning. I found a waterfall. It was a stream that ran near my parents' house, and I would go out there and see how the water flows. You know, and there are all different type of training trainings that are out there for somebody who's getting into design, especially for water features. Take advantage of all those trainings that <clears throat> excuse me all those trainings that are out there uh, because it's going to help you rub shoulders with other people who may have a little bit more experience than you have and can, you know, lend some, lend that listening ear when you're designing the project. Yeah. Awesome. Great advice. Jamal, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, they can give me a call. Uh, my number to my office is 910-549-1622, or they can reach me on my website, www dot nbh aquatics.com awesome That's and you're great. on facebook That's you're on instagram um oh yeah i'm on all social media outlets what does the ndh stand for in ndh aquatics uh well uh in 2009 march the 17th of 2009 me and my wife uh my wife had a little girl and she passed away she lived for about two hours uh-huh. so those in the those initials are her name, which is Nari Dakota Hall. And wow. I always uh, I get this I get this question every time I everybody anybody finds out the name of the company, and I don't mind talking about it. At first it was hard, but now it's you know it's part of it. But I always say that whenever I build a pond or a water feature, uh, I'm leaving a little piece of my angel at that project. So you know that's where the NDH comes from. Is you know it's our it's the na- initials of our little girl who passed away. I, that's beautiful. I love that. What, what a great way to keep her in your heart. That's awesome. Jamal, thank you so much for being here on the Koi Pond Water Garden podcast and sharing your expertise with everybody. Before I let you go, I was in North Carolina recently. I did a tour of okay. the Blue Ridge Fish Hatchery down there. Have you ever been there? Cool. I've been the there. Blue- it's been a, been a while ago. I've been. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, pretty amazing place run by Randy Lefevre, Rick Brown, Casey Lefevre, and uh, Kirsten. Great, great team. But I was asked a very direct question while I was down there by Casey Lefevre. Um, Obviously a big debate down there in North Carolina about barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) Casey asked me, what does barbecue mean to me? And I'm a guy from New Jersey, so I told him that McDonald's makes a great McRib sandwich. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Oh, man. Dude. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, what does barbecue mean to you? Uh, it's funny. You know, that's that's one of the big debates down here. You have Eastern North Carolina barbecue and you have Lexington barbecue. Uh, a good <laughs> barbecue to me is the Eastern, the uh, pretty much like the vinegar sauce. Um, but it's also fun. It, it's also fun in fellowship. You know, yeah. I can sit around the barbecue and just enjoy myself talking to friends, family, clients. Um, but it's good home-cooked food out there on the grill with some of that Eastern North Carolina pulled pork barbecue. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> okay, one more thing before I let you go. One one more thing. Give me a whiskey pick. What's okay. your current favorite whiskey? Oh, Habiki. It's a Japanese whiskey. Ooh. Cool. Yes, it is, it, is, it is very, very good. It's very smooth. It's, it has a good taste with some subtle notes to it, but it's called Habiki. I do not have to know how to spell it, but it's a very, very good whiskey. 
awesome. I haven't tried any of the Japanese ones yet. They get, you know, people say they're great. So I'm going to get on oh, that. that. And thank that you so much. Awesome. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You bet. I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on and sharing your, your expertise. Oh, yes, sir. Have a great day. You too. Have a great day. That was Jamal Hall, everybody. Great guy. Great information. Uh, I hope our design skills for everybody will be kicked up a notch. So to recap, you know, some things you want to do, uh, as Jamal suggested, if you want to improve your design skills, get out there, talk to people, attend events, watch videos, visit other pond builders, and get out into nature. You can learn so much by just simply watching Mother Nature. And, um, you know, make sure that you're prepared for your jobs with the right tools. Um, try to follow some of the, the principles of design. Maybe make a sketch so you can translate all that information in your head out to your team or just to keep yourself on track. And, um, you know, make sure that you're, you're doing what moves you and what makes you feel good and what you find beautiful. So that was great. And uh, thanks to all of you also for spending time with me. This is the Koi Pond Water Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gannon. Uh, I appreciate being here with you to talk about all things aquatic. I'm a Koi Pond Water Garden water feature professional for 25 years now. My company is Full Service Aquatics. We're based out of Summit, New Jersey, but we take on projects just about anywhere. If you have a project you're considering, you need some advice, or maybe you just want to say, hey, give me a call. 908-277-6000 and we can talk about anything in the pursuit of all things aquatic and as always let me encourage you to get to know your local pond professional i'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast you probably have a water feature koi pond or water garden of some type and getting to know your local pond pro can really make your life much easier and they're such fun people to be around so reach out to them get them on speed dial if you can't find someone reach out to me i will connect you I will hook you up. So support your local Pond Pro. You can find more of the Koi Pond Water Garden Podcast on YouTube. Check out the Pond Hunter channel on YouTube if you want to see some of my company's projects. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and iTunes. My website is fullserviceaquatics.com, or you could just go to loveyourpond.com. That's me. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Be good to each other. Share your pond keeping passion with those around you. We need more pond keepers in this world, as strange as that may sound. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with people and let people know so I can keep this content coming out. Keep it pondy, everybody, and I'll see you next time on the Koi Pond Water Garden Podcast. You have been listening to the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, broadcasting Wednesday nights on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, keeping it pondy for the aquatically obsessed. That's right. Peace, everybody. See you next time.